Today's scripture is from Genesis 2, 1 through 3, and Acts 2, 1 through 8, and 14 through 21. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one of them heard speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they ask, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Be to Deva as well. Good job, Deva. That was a long one. Hi. Um, It's Pentecost Sunday which is why you see red up here. Red is the color of Pentecost Sunday. It's, uh, you know, we've been in this series, this beginning series, so we've taken a step away from the Revised Common Lectionary, but we just can't not do Pentecost Sunday. So we're going to do day seven of creation. We're going to do Pentecost Sunday, and we're going to do what it means that, on, that today we turn three as a church. We're going to do all those things, and so uh, we'll be out here by about six. So I hope you don't have, you know, brunch reservations. Let's, let's pray as we get into all that goodness. And before we pray, uh, we are very mindful of the terrorist attack which happened last night in London, um, and we pray for grace and mercy, don't we, for the inhabitants of London, but also for the rest of our world. So Lord... Please come here now with us so that we can hear your words. And more than hearing your words, be filled with your spirit so that we can go out and be a blessing to the world. Teach us what it means to be your, be your children today, God. In your mercy, Lord, hear our prayer. Okay, so this is the final stop on our seven-week uh, journey through the seven days of creation, and my hope has been 
and is that you are starting to see the scriptures not as just moments in time in history that happened, but also as a story that is still unfolding. Amen? That here at Genesis, we believe the scriptures happened, are happening, and will happen. And how we do that is, why we believe that is because we can enter into the story and find our small stories fit into the bigger story, the huge story that's like a river that is always moving. And so maybe you have learned to see in the darkness on day one. Maybe tohu vavohu met you, the sense of chaos and emptiness and energy met you during this series, and you find yourself needing to see, needing to hear God's word say, let there be light. And maybe you have been expanded so that you can hold more of the life that God has for you. On day two, we grow so that we can become more who we are, so that we can go out and bless the world. On day three, we discover what our seeds of life are, which sprout forth and give life to the future. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you've discovered a little bit, just a, just a tiny little bit of what your seeds of life really are. Or maybe on day four, you have discovered what season you're in. Maybe you're in the season of waiting or hoping or abundance or loss even. And maybe you've learned just a little bit how to inhabit that season, whatever it is, with God's help. Maybe you faced your monster, or one of them anyway, on day five. And maybe you did it remembering that Christ is on your right, Christ is on your left, Christ is before you and behind you, above you and beneath you, that Christ is between you and all things as you face that monster. Or maybe you have seen in a new way that you reflect God's image, that you bear God's image, that you are created in the image of God, and that is very good, that before sin entered the world, you were created in God's goodness. And goodness started the story. Amen? On day seven, we're going to learn about the very first thing that God calls holy in all the scriptures. And it's not people. And it's not creation. And it's not even God. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that God had been doing. So on the seventh day, God rested from all God's work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all the work of creating that God had done. Now that's interesting writing, isn't it? Because it's like, it's almost as if after creation, the writer of Genesis 1 sat down with God and did a podcast. You know, like, wow, now tell me, tell me more about day two. Day two was killer. Day two was great. What, what was your favorite day? And then, like, after it all, like, what did you do? And then God said, well, I have a great hammock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't know how it all happened, but, but, in, but in some sense, the writer wants us to hear something about our lives and about the character of God, the nature of God. The writer is weaving this beautiful poem, this beautiful story. And at the end of the poem, we read that the infinite creator the one that existed before anything else existed, rested. So the seventh day, Sabbath, was called holy. The very first thing 
that is called holy in the scriptures is the Sabbath, which actually means simply to stop. To stop. Now, Americans are allergic to that word. And it's doing great harm to us. Our inability to stop from the work that we have done is actually killing us. So God creates a rhythm. Six days of work and one day of rest every week for every month and every year of our life. The first six days are about movement and the seventh day is about stopping. So here's the first all-play question. If you're new at Genesis, all-play questions are designed to hear the voice of the chorus, not just the solo, because the voice of the chorus is so much better than the voice of the solo. Amen? Uh, don't say amen too loud there, but you, you can say amen. <laughs> what does it mean to stop? What does it mean to stop? Thank you, Karen. To quit the performance. Quit performing. That's a whole other sermon, maybe a whole other series. Many books have been written about what it means to perform for others, for God, and for self. What else? What does it mean to stop? Thanks, Fred, to make space to hear God in our lives. Carol, you were saying something? To meditate. What a great word that is, right? To breathe in, to get filled. Yes, yes. Thanks, Carol. Dan says, can be restless. See, because we're allergic to stopping, when we start to stop, what happens, Dan? We, get, we freak out. All of our neuroses come up. I mean, the desperate need to check Twitter, Facebook, our texts. Do you know that the impulse to check a text when your phone buzzes, some scientists say, is greater than the instinct that a person who's addicted to drugs has to go to drugs? That should tell us something. I don't know what, but something. So like if I were to say like, just put your phones away, turn them off just for this 20 minutes. Like there's a part of us that goes, breathe. All right, there were some other things too up here about stopping. It means to let go. Whoa, Pam. Whoa, to say no to yourself, Sarah. Say more. I love that. That's so good. You're like, that's all I got, man. That's all I got. Don't say say more. That took every ounce of my courage to say what I just said. <laughs> say more. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Scotty, say it again. Come on. To enjoy what's been created. Yes. Sun and water and ocean and sky and kids and strawberries and flowers. Say it again, Matt. To resign control. I think that's a big one. Again, that's why Americans, uh, and I will be hard on Americans because I am one, um, that's why it's so hard for us to stop, because we have the illusion that we can be in control. Totally. 
We can be in control of our lives. Absolutely. And I'll prove it to you. <laughs> All right. Day seven is about feeling a cool breeze on your hot forehead. Day seven is about seeing what you're missing, recovering what you've lost along the way. And you're hurried to get somewhere else. Day seven is about realizing it's not too late. It's about giving yourself permission to turn it off, to let it go, to embrace those sweet ones with whom you live and breathe. Day seven is about stopping production and delighting in the gifts of your actual life. On day seven, we remember that we are not the ones who created any of this, and we are not the ones who keep it going. So on my drive in today, uh, on 394, there was a mama goose and a daddy goose and about six goslings crossing 394. <laughs> going toward the center where there's a big four foot tall concrete block. And luckily, you know, there's not too many people on the freeway at the time in which I was driving. Uh, but we kind of slowed down and, and veered, and, and, uh, and I thought, good Lord, that's what we're doing to our young ones uh, by, by living the way that we're living. We are leading them into traffic, into danger, because we do not know how to stop. So let's learn how to stop, amen? Let's learn how to enjoy how to enjoy what God has created. Let's learn how to turn it off. Let's learn how to stop producing. Let's learn to stop getting all of our identity from what we make and from what we do. So, question, all play. When were human beings created? On what day of creation? Carry the one, six. Yes, thank you. Day six. And in the Hebrew understanding of days, when does the day begin? Evening. So in particular, specifically, when were human beings created? Yeah, evening of day six, right? So what was the first day that human beings experienced life in the garden? The day of rest. Come on now! So there's one way of looking at Sabbath. You work your tail off for six days, and then on the seventh day, you get rewarded for working your tail off. That's one way of looking at the Sabbath. Uh, my beautiful friend Noah is here who has studied the Sabbath more than I have. Noah, give us an alternative to the six and one rhythm. And say it loudly. Mm. Oh, yeah, let's clap for that. 
You know, but we're Americans, man. Give us the, give us the 616. We want to earn our rest. 12 days of work, one day of rest. That's what I want. You think I'm being too hard on us, but I'm really not. 161 allows you to remember that you are not in control of this universe. You did not create this world. You didn't create your own self. You didn't create your soul. You didn't create how you were wired up. You didn't create your spouse. You didn't even create your kids, even though you think you did. You didn't. Someone bigger than you created your kids. And the sunset that you're going to experience tonight, you didn't make it. You didn't make that thing. You didn't make the sandwich that you're, well, maybe you did make the sandwich that you're going (laughs) to eat later on, but you didn't meet the ingredients. You didn't make the ingredients to, to make it. You didn't make the things that you enjoy at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day. So what would it mean for us as, as followers of Jesus and as inhabitants of this world to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy and to do a one-six-one, to bookend the six days of work with stopping and with rest? The Sabbath is not about following a rigid list of rules and regulations because that's, what, that's where some of you are going. Like Some of you are like, man, I grew up in northwest Iowa, and what we did for Sabbath is we got in our finest Sunday attire, and we weren't allowed to do anything fun. We sat on the porch and waited for people to come and visit us, people that we didn't even like, and it was boring. That's not the biblical vision of Sabbath. Biblical vision of Sabbath is to enjoy community, to eat really good food, to drink good drink, to enjoy the flowers and the sun, the outside and the inside, to take naps and not feel guilty about it. I don't, I don't feel guilty about my naps, gang. I mean, I do not. I nap. <laughs> I am proud of it. Proud of my naps. And after the restlessness dies down, the Sabbath will be something that we really look forward to. It'll be an orientation for us. Abraham Joshua Heschel calls the Sabbath architecture in time. So instead of entering into a building architecture to experience something of God, it's a building in time. So that when that sun goes down on Friday night or wherever it is, whenever it is you experience Sabbath, all of after a time, all of your all of your 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 body just starts slowing down and anticipating joy. So if you want to do Sabbath, and I encourage you to figure it out with your family, you can't do it. It's not. It's really not meant to be done alone. I mean, you can do it alone, but. It, it, it's really not meant to be done alone. It's meant to be experienced together. So get together with your people and ask four questions. When are we going to celebrate Sabbath? I don't think you need to be legalistic about it. You know, it has to be on this day. But I do think having a regular rhythm where it's, it's, you know, it's not just any 12 hours you can cram into the week because then you sort of lose the rhythm of it. But every, you know, Friday night, some of, my, some of my friends, their family does Friday night to Saturday night. So my friend, he turns off his phone, and they start with a meal together, their whole family. 
And then they, they play on, on the Sabbath together. They eat good food together. They have fun together. Uh, so you have to decide when you're going to celebrate it. And you might start with like, you know, four hours just to kind of get started. You might try it with 12 hours. I mean, if you really want to go graduate level, you know, do the, do the full 24. And you can do that, actually. So decide when. And then ask the question, what do you need to stop doing? What do you need to stop doing? Some of you may need to stop making lists. Some of you may need to stop making food. For sure you don't do laundry, because no one likes that. <laughs> um, you may need to stop, if you're a creative person like, like me, and many of you are creative people, maybe no creating on day seven. It's a tough one. I have a friend, she turns off, she doesn't check email at all from Friday to Sunday. Email, done. No email. You can do that, actually. Do you know that? Like, you could do that. Um, anyway, there's lots of things, but you decide what you need to stop. And then you decide, number three, what do we need to start? What do we need to do? What do we need to celebrate? So again, like this, it, it may be like we want to eat out at this particular restaurant every single Sabbath night because we love it and because God is good to us <laughs> by giving us a restaurant that is so good. Or it, it may be a board game that your family plays together. Uh, it may be movie night. It may be um, for sure you take naps. It may be, <laughs> right, everyone laughs at that because we all like, oh, naps, you know, and like, Oh, I took a nap today. I feel so lazy. Really? Um. <laughs> See? <laughs> I don't care. If love and naps is wrong, I don't want to be right. What do we need to celebrate? What do we need to do? What do we need to, how will our family or our community, our house have fun together? And then the last thing is, how will, how will we make space for God and for God alone? What prayers will we do? What space, what readings will we do? What, what way will we initiate that, you know, some people light candles or some people, you know, get up a little early and they just, they take a walk. How will you create space for God and for God alone? So number one, when are you going to celebrate it? Number two, what do you need to stop? Number three, what do you need to celebrate? And number four, how will you do it? How, sorry, how will you make space for God and God alone? So that's the Sabbath. That's day seven. And today it's interesting. I've already mentioned it, but we have three interesting intersecting stories happening. We have day seven, the Sabbath. We have Pentecost Sunday, when the Spirit was given to the church so that they could be the body of Christ in the world. And we turn three as a church today. Three years old. We're toddlers. We're still going to break stuff. We're not, you know, if, if, if we come to your house, you're going to have to hide all the stuff that's low. <laughs> um, so what are we to make of this intersection today, of these three things? Well, um, Pentecost is not new in Acts 2. Pentecost is not a Christian uh, Christians didn't create Pentecost. Pentecost is called Shavuot in the Hebrew, and it literally means weeks or oaths. 
It happens 50 days after Passover. And on Shavuot, uh, Jewish families would celebrate the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai, the giving of God's word to people on Mount Sinai. And when they celebrated Shavuot, they would remember the giving of the Torah. And still, to this day, they do this. And they they enter into it as if God was re-giving it to them again on Shavuot. That it's renewable. That God's word is alive and active. That it's given to them again to sustain them. On Shavuot, um, it's in the spring, springtime, late spring, early summer, people bring in uh, loaves of bread and first fruits. So it's a, there's a, their first grain offering of the year before they know how the harvest is going to turn out. So it's an act of trust, and it's an act of giving God what is God's before you have what is yours. So it's, a, it's an act of trust. And then Pentecost in Acts 2, after Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and ascended to the Father. Remember what Jesus told the disciples to do? There's about 100, 120 people. Remember what he told them to do? He told them to go up in the upper room and wait. It's interesting, the upper room can kind of be thought of as an ark or a womb where they waited for the giving of not the Torah this time, because that had already been given, but the Spirit. And the Spirit is the active presence of Christ in the world now that Christ has ascended to the Father. It's the gift that God gives so that Christ can be in us, really, for in him we live and breathe and have our being. So that can be a real thing. So it's the giving of the Spirit in the upper room, and we accept it on the day of Pentecost, which is today, and we believe that God renews it, that God, re, that God sends God's Spirit into the world and through us again to empower us. So what does that have to do with us on our third birthday? Well, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. We've been talking about, you know, our location and where, where are we going to be in the coming months. And there's this sense of anticipation, but also a sense of unknown, sense of like, in some of us, anxiety, in some of us, excitement. Where will we be? Where are we going to end up? And there's the sense of how will we know what is right? There's Aaron. I'm looking at Aaron. And Aaron and Kate are going to be launching from here to plant Genesis East. Where is that going to be? We don't know. Who's going to go? We don't know. Who's going to form the nucleus of that church? We don't know. And so there's this sense of anticipation, right? Of expectation. Are we on day one or are we on day seven? And I believe on Pentecost Sunday, in the life of our church as we turn three, God is inviting us into a day of rest, into a day of waiting, into a day of the believers were gathered together in the upper room, waiting expectantly. Now, here's an all-play question. How is waiting different than doing nothing? Anticipation, say more. You're like, no, she nailed it. Expectation, holding on. Yes. 
Holding on to the tension. Thanks, Nicole. Say it again. <sighs> Mama. <laughs> Waiting is way harder than doing nothing. Doing nothing is checking out, right? Scrolling. <laughs> Waiting feels intentional. Okay. Or out of control, which we love. Say it, say it again. No naps! Oh, man. It's the first time I'm going to disagree with an all-play question or answer. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Uh, but there is a sense of that, though, right? There, there, there's, a, there's an alertness, I think, that our community is being called into right now. An alertness. Okay? Now listen. Everybody look at me. That we have to pay attention to where God has taken us these last three years in terms of what God has built in us, the experiences that God has planted within us, the hopes and dreams that God has given to us so that we can rightly interpret the choices that are going to come in front of us and then in the months to come. Amen? There's a sense of waiting and resting and believing that none of us even created this community to believe that this community was birthed out of the heart of God. And that's a bold statement, I know. You know, we partnered with it. We were midwives. Amen, Emily. We were midwives. We helped that baby come out. But we don't own Genesis. Does that make sense? It is the Lord's church. And our desire is to go where the Lord wants to take us. And I mean that physically. And I mean that spiritually. And I mean that emotionally. And I mean that holistically. And that is where we are right now, I firmly believe. So how will we carry that tension? I think we carry it through prayer. I think we carry it through conversation. I think we carry it by holding it lightly. Know what I mean by that? We can clench the, what are we going to become? Oh. What are we going to become, Lord? Where, where are we going to go? Where will you take us? Lech laha, God whispered to Abram one day when he was about 75 years old. Go forth to a place I will show you. Now that's an invitation that's both restful. Go forth, I'll show you. And it's also terrifying. <laughs> Go forth to a place I will show you. What, what, do, I, what, do, I, what do I pack for that, for that journey? And isn't it great that God didn't tell him everything that was going to happen? Well, you're going to have to pay attention because I'm going to ask you to sacrifice your only son. So that's, that's going to be an exciting day. But I'm not going to tell you that right now because if I told you that right now, you, you, would, you would ruin the whole thing. So all, all I'm telling you is go forth. And I'm doing that as an act of grace because if you knew where I was leading you, you would never go or you'd try to make it up or you'd try to like make it on your own. So that's where we are, Genesis. <laughs> and the people sat together bewildered. 
May God meet us as a community. And may we have ears to hear and hearts that are willing to follow. Amen? I'm excited for that journey. So now we're going to go into 60 seconds of silence, as we always do every week, inviting God to speak to our spirits, let us know what we need to know. This might be a time to notice where God has loved you in the last week. This might be a time to name your desires, the real ones that are buried underneath performance. Come Holy Spirit, speak to us now.